Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. And it's a it's a collab you guys haven't seen in a minute, but it's a long-awaited one and one that we, we starting back. What's up, my boy Wayne? How you doing? What's going on, Rohan? Man, it's good to it's good to be back, man. It's good to, good to be home. I haven't <laughs> haven't been here in a minute, so thank you for having me on, bro. No, I mean it's good. We get the off season. We thought it was going to be the chill period until last night, right? I mean, everything was going on to plan. It was just speculation, speculation, all sorts of 49er fun talk, and then we hear the news last night, and that's where I kind of want to get started today uh, because we haven't talked about it yet. But Brock Purdy. And that injury, remember the UCL that he suffered, he suffered a a UCL injury in the NFC Championship game. I'm sure every 49er fan remembers. But because of that UCL injury, remember, Brock Purdy now is going to have to face surgery. It's a reconstruction surgery or a repair surgery. Seems like it'll be repair, which is six months. That was supposed to take place today, but there's inflammation still in the elbow. And Brock Purdy now is not going to have surgery now. It seems like the timeline they'll reevaluate in early March. We'll see what happens. What was your takeaway or your initial kind of thought when you when you heard the news about Brock Purdy's surgery? <sighs> I mean, you know, I'm I'm probably one of the most optimistic people out there. I'm always looking for the bright side to every story. And the moment Brock Purdy was injured and we figured out that it was a UCL injury, I was like, oh, man. You know, I follow baseball. I'm like, listen, this will probably be the best time for this kid to get the Tommy John surgery. And then they ruled that out, right? They ruled that out recently Mm -hmm. i'm like dude if he just gets it and sits for the year he'll come back he'll be fully repaired and then he'll be like probably even more amazing than what we and what we saw so i'm like maybe that would be the best possible outcome and then brock shot that down he said that dr uh dr keith meister said that there's no need for that and then they might have to do that uh what is that emergency type of situation where they could put the sling on and all that good stuff I'm like, a brace, excuse me. And I'm like, okay. So they're trying to get him prepared to be ready to go. That's where the six months comes in. And I'm just like, what if stuff continues to go wrong? So here's the what if gone wrong. Number one, the inflammation is still there in the elbow. So we don't know when that inflammation is going to go down in order for a surgery to take to take place. If the doctor had to cut them open, then there's possible uh, possibility for infection to get into the mm-hmm. elbow, which is even worse than just the inflammation. So they really got to get that inflammatory spot and his uh and his uh, UCL. They got to get that down before they even think to go in. Now they did say early March. Could that be next week? Do they try again next week? March starts next week. Or is it going to be sometime like the second week in March? And then after that, you're talking mid-March, and then you're talking the end of March. And all you're going to do is keep pushing this back. So if it's a six-month table, let's do the math, Rohan. If it's six months, starting March 1st, right? You got April 1st, right? May, right? June, July, August, September. Now we're into September. And so if he doesn't get any reps during camp, 
How is this kid going to start week one for the 49ers in 2023? It just doesn't seem to add up. So I think the injury is a little setback. I think the injury hurts the 49ers in a way. I actually wrote an article about that. I'm going to try to release it soon. I think it hurts the 49ers, and and, and it hurts them in a way to how they have to go and prepare. Maybe they have to draft another quarterback. Maybe they have to also sign another quarterback. There's a possibility that Trey Lance might not be ready as well. So there's so many, so many different things that can come out, so many different scenarios that can come out of this. But all in all, I pray and hope that Brock Purdy heals well, gets the surgery, heals up, and is ready to go when he's ready. When he's ready. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's in a way worst-case scenario for the 49ers that Brock Purdy's surgery will be delayed. Why? Because the entire time with two young quarterbacks, two quarterbacks on a rookie deal that the organization is already committed to, what you wanted was what both quarterbacks have been saying out loud what they wanted, a competition. And regardless of who you believe should be the starter or who should go into the camp as the guy to to that that has the 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 hold on the job, it should have been a competition. And both players wanted that. And unfortunately, right now, it does not appear that we're going to get the competition. I'll give some context because the only other player that we've heard, uh, at least recently, to experience the surgery was coincidentally Nick Mullins. Nick mm-hmm. Mullins the surgery and he had the surgery i believe on january 26th of the year that he had the injury or sorry the year after it was 37 days after injury january 26th he was ready um for training camp and started playing in training camp the the training camp is about july 26 29th somewhere around there so it was exactly around six months for him to play in training camp and so that's a good sign However, if we're going on the exact six months for Brock Purdy, like you said, if it's starting in early March, the best case scenario, if they're saying March, March 1st, that is September 1st. That is past OTAs. That is past training camp. That is past even the preseason. September 1st is one week before uh, or about 10 days before the start of the regular season. That is an issue because you're not going to have a quarterback who, if he hasn't been participating in team drills in 11-on-11s, you're not going to have him and just throw him out there and say, you're starting week one. Something would have to go tremendously wrong with Trey Lance in the development process from OTAs to training camp to uh, where they just don't have the confidence in him to start Brock Purdy because really you're not going to throw Brock Purdy out there. Now, the difference is obviously with this injury compared to others, you can start throwing after three months. They're on a throwing program. It's just certain things that you, you, you're you limited in throwing. So that provides a good timeline because Purdy should be able to at least be throwing at, during training camp. It's just I don't think he's going to be in outside of individual drills. So we'll see. We'll we'll be able to see Brock Purdy's progress a little bit, but it, it does provide another uh, threshold that he has to meet. And right now, like we said, uh, me and some other guys and all, and I'm sure you've said it too back in January, the issue with the 49ers quarterback situation is we didn't know Brock Purdy's timeline and why because you don't know first of all even when if you know the surgery date you don't know how the surgery will go Purdy himself said there's the possibility that Tommy John still could be on the table when surgery comes and also things like this you don't know if there are going to be setbacks or not a month before you don't know when the inflammation is going to stop and that's why right now there is a little not necessarily panic mode because the 49ers do have a quarterback on their roster that's going to be able to play in OTAs and training camp. But 
it's a little bit of a different situation than you might have once envisioned. Yeah, I, and and that's the that's why I said this can possibly somewhat hurt the 49ers in a way because if let's say let's say they do plan and Brock is ready scheduled to go, they still probably are going to bring in two quarterbacks, right? So what do I mean by that? They'll probably draft one and he'll make the team or whatever and then they'll probably sign a guy uh like a veteran and there's a slew of them out there uh that can particularly come in here and run the system, I think, well, like Mike White from the New York Football Jets, don't know how much he's going to command. Taylor Heineke from the Washington Commanders could be another piece that they could bring in here. Uh, and and they might even bring Nate Sudfield back. I think people forgot that he's a free agent. So that's a familiar name. Uh, and so when I, when I think about it, and I'm saying to myself, like, they have to, I, I want the team to do what's best for Brock because I want Brock to, to, when he does come back to play, to be at 100%. Now, if you're looking at Trey Lance, I think everything's on the table for Trey to take this league by storm, at least get his team right, get his team and going headed in the right direction. He's going to get OTAs. He's going to get training camp. He's going to get the preseason. Trey Lance is going to get the keys to the range, which is what he rightfully was given in the first place until the injury happened. And everything is just resetting back to like the way it was. This is this may be the plan that Kyle Shanahan wanted or had envisioned in the first place. So this is, I don't want to say it's like a gift and a curse, but Trey's going to get his opportunity. And I know a lot of people don't know about Trey Lance. I get it. It's unknown. Hasn't played enough. Get it understood. But there were things that he did do well. And if our coach understands that when it comes to understanding players, maybe our coach has evolved and developed into like just a better person to where he's just going to be like, I watched Kyle Shanahan let Brock play Brock Purdy's football. Like it wasn't, Brock do this Brock he let Brock be Brock maybe maybe he's going to do the same thing with Trey Lance now understanding uh how it, how it what it takes to you know get these young guys going it's going to be interesting to right. watch but I'm with you Trey's going to get all the first reps and just about everything right and before I continue I do want to give a shout out to the people that have tuned in 49ers throwback CJ Gray Jacqueline <laughs> Knox uh and all of you guys thank you guys so much for tuning in but you're right. Trey Lance right now, he's going to be quarterback one. And I said this even before we knew the injury, uh, the news to Proc Purdy, because he was the only healthy quarterback right now on the roster. He's going to be the only healthy quarterback come out is on the roster that is currently there, which means the 49ers are going to have to sign some quarterbacks. And I want to ask you this, Breezy, because yeah. this, this is a little different now, right? You okay. now know that Brock Purdy likely doesn't play. Uh, in team drills in the preseason. Correct. He's going to be on your roster, and he's likely going to be able to throw at some point during that time. But does this change the outlook of who you sign as the backup? Man, you does talking. Bro. Yeah, right? So you're, talking about, you're talking about a guy that's not going to be on the IR, you hope, and he's going to be there. He's going to take a – so who do you bring in? Do you bring in the same type of a player? Do you bring in a player that's going to come in and compete? Do you bring in a player that's going to come in and say, hey, I know what my role is, is here. I'm here to, to be the backup backup. And like that, that's a lot. And so for me, I feel like you draft a competition and then you bring in, you know, a guy. Like when you look at Mike White and Taylor Heineke, those guys probably feel like they can be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you want to bring in those type of caliber players? that are going to sit there and, and give Trey Lance that competition. Some people say, yes, I'm all for competition. 
You know what I'm saying? Can Trey Lance beat them out? They're clearly more veteran than he is in the league. And so I don't know. Or do you bring in a savvy vet, a guy that, you know, could come in here, teach the young people a couple of things or two, like a Matt Ryan, like a, like a, you know, a Joe Flacco, a Andy Dalton, it, like any of those type of savvy vets that's been around, maybe have some championship experience. So it's something that you got to kind of look into, like when you're trying to bring in these quarterbacks, because at the end of the day, you want to set up your team for success. Competition breeds like, you know, it just breeds competition. It breeds better players. Iron sharpens iron. So I'm all for that. But you got you got Brock that's supposed to be competing with Trey. Who's going to compete with him? You don't want Trey right. walking in here thinking it's sweet. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got to bring in some type of competition. What do you think? I think this is such an interesting question because I think it's a twofold. You have to look at it from both sides, not only the 49ers side, but the quarterback that they're bringing in that side too, because whoever they bring in, it's likely with an understanding that they're going to be quarterback three for the majority of the season, right? Because when you, when you have Brock Purdy, assuming that he's going to be able to throw in the hell he's going to be at least healthy enough to be active on the roster in week one you're not going to place him on ir instead you're going to have him as your backup quarterback knowing the faith you had in him uh this past season again assuming that he's he, he's pretty much only fully healthy come week one but that means the quarterback who they sign likely doesn't have a shot at the starting job they're the third quarterback on the roster and they have to understand their role now it is. You do also want a quarterback that can push Trey Lance in camp and in OTAs because Trey Lance last offseason didn't come in with competition. And I, me personally, I'm like I'm with you. I personally believe that competition is very valuable. I think competition really increases the level of play and helps especially younger quarterbacks understand the NFL caliber play uh, that they are going to be accustomed to going forward. And so to me. I think the 49ers need to find the balance, a guy who's willing to come into that situation, but also provide enough competition for Trey Lance in the earlier part of the offseason to fully prepare him if he was going to be the starter. The 49ers are likely going right now into the offseason preparing as if Trey Lance is a starter. At least that's how I believe they should do it, given how Brock Purdy's uh, situation has unfolded. To me, that's why I wouldn't mind a guy like Taylor Heineke. In my quarterback list of who they should sign, he was one of the guys, and he was probably the most realistic and most prominent option for me because he's a guy who has told himself, uh, told, told really media that he understands his role. He's a guy who does not mind that he will be a backup quarterback. He understands it's one of the easier roles in the NFL and also will get a solid amount of money, maybe three, four million for it. And so to me, I think that that's where a guy like Taylor Heineke fits in. He's a guy with a competitor. He's a guy who's aggressive, which Kyle Shanahan loved in Brock Purdy. And he's a guy who, you know, a guy who understands his role. Yeah, when I look at the the free agent quarterbacks, um, you know, of course, me, I'm looking for the ones that, you know, same same situation that you just mentioned about them not trying to come in here and they have to accept their role. I don't know if Mike White would like to accept the fact that he would be a third string quarterback, but he would get a chance mm -hmm. to come in here and compete. And so the cool thing about bringing or signing a Mike White is you get a guy that knows your system. They run the same thing. They ran the same type of system out there in New York. Uh, he ran it better than uh, was it, Zach Wilson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He ran it better than Zach. And so this is the, this is why he's he will be circled. There's a few. I have a few circles to mm -hmm. fit. What you were talking about because i really like what you said right so it would be mike white all right taylor heineke would be my number one all right and then i'm gonna go to some old names 
Okay, I'm gonna Let's go to it. Nate Sudfield. All right, I'm gonna go to Nate Sudfield. I'm gonna go to CJ Beathard over Nick Mullins. Okay, and I know that's crazy, but I would do it because you got a guy that could come in here. You he knows the system, right? He's not really good, or at least he didn't have the same setup or, as the weapons as as he would have now. He he would be coming into a much better situation. Why not bring CJ Beathard back for the bare minimum two million, two point two million dollars or whatever like that? It'll be cheaper. And then there's one other person that I like, Cooper Rush, which okay. I think he would push. He would definitely be able to push uh, Trey Lance, and he would be able to push um, Brock Purdy. They're, they they mm-hmm. similar style, Cooper Rush and Brock Purdy. So it, that would be a really good push, Cooper Rush. So what do you think? I think that's fair, and I'll answer a couple of questions while answering yours as well because they're all together. And when you talk about it, first of all, I do want to give a shout-out to Ryan Hensley. Thank you for tuning in. what's going on, fam? I'll be on his show on Friday. Be sure to check it out. But 49ers Throwback asks, has your opinion changed? Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo comes back? Well, CJ Gray here says, I'd rather go get Brissett. You talk about the backups, and I'll address the Garoppolo part first. I don't think Garoppolo comes back. I don't think my opinion has changed. The reason being, he first of all, it's a two-fold like the 49ers situation themselves. Does he want to come back? My answer to that is no. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo would want to come back because I don't think he's going to get a reassurance that he's going to be a starter. In fact, the 49ers elected the guy who's coming into the offseason as the starter. Uh, they elected him over Garoppolo last offseason and Trey Lance. I think that they'd roll with Trey Lance over Garoppolo. And two, the money. Garoppolo wants to be paid like a starter because he wants to start, and, and I think he's going to get a market to, to start. Uh, Vegas is going to have an opening. New Orleans is going to have an opening. And I think a couple of surprise teams might have an opening. Maybe Tennessee with the way that they're clearing money. Houston could have an opening if they don't want to go quarterback. You know, New New York might have an opening. I mean, I'm just talking about a couple of places. But in general, you're going to have a good amount of openings. I think Garoppolo ends up being a starter somewhere or at least get starter-level money. I don't think the 49ers can afford that. And as for Jacoby Brissett, to me, if you want Jacoby Brissett, I think the 49ers would also just go for Garoppolo. The reason being, Jacoby Brissett is a good player. He is a starting caliber bridge option in the NFL, and I think he's going to get paid similarly to to one of those teams that has a talented enough roster. Maybe a Carolina has a talented enough roster, but is waiting for uh, is looking to mentor a rookie or is looking in that bridge kind of option. Brissett likely gets maybe ten million on the open market uh, after getting four point six five this year and really playing better than Deshaun Watson as a starter this year. And so to me, I think that both options are nice but unrealistic because of the roles that they'd play, their willingness to come to the teams, and also the money that they'd cost. As for you, you brought up a couple of intriguing options, Cooper Rush, uh, Mike White being a couple of them. And I think it's intriguing, but I think that there's a lot of quarterbacks on the open market. That's where it plays the 49ers benefit because you could go after a guy like Nate Sudfeld, understanding he's going to be QB three and you're going to pay him QB three money. You don't have to put much guaranteed money into Nate Sudfeld, right? They put 2 million into him the past off season. I don't think you got to put 2 million into him this off season. You can probably put one to one and a half million into this off season. And that might save you some money. If the 49ers are looking to go cheaper, there's certainly cheaper options. Nate Sudfeld, CJ Beathard definitely play into that cheaper option role. They want to go with a guy who they believe can push Trey Lance a little more, then you might go and spend four or five million dollars instead of the one to two million dollars. It depends on what they want to do, but there's the 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 best part is they do have options this offseason. 
And as for your final part, you you said, let's go draft a guy and let's go sign a guy. The draft part is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think this this class, it's weaker, but Super. it has some intriguing options maybe at the end that Kyle Shanahan might want to play with. Correct. The only thing that I'll say against drafting a quarterback is the 49ers, they're going to likely sign a quarterback um, in the offseason, be it a veteran or, or whatever. And they're already going to carry two quarterbacks. And I think that you're going to get a little bit of an outlook into what the 49ers potentially do in the draft by who they sign. Because if they sign a guy like Nate Sudfeld that they could cut like they did last year before uh, the regular season, then they could look to draft a quarterback and potentially carry three. But if they don't sign a guy like Nate Sudfeld, instead maybe go for a guy like Taylor Heineke, who they guaranteed $4 million to, I don't think that they draft a quarterback and keep him on the active roster unless they cut him and sign him to the practice squad. The reason being, the 49ers, the max you'll carry ever is three quarterbacks. I understand the new rule, but you might elevate a quarterback, but I don't. the max is three quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, the 49ers were one of the teams that carried three last year, and they were only like 30% of the NFL teams. I think nine of 32 carried three quarterbacks last year. It's rare to carry three. Most teams carry two. And so to carry four, I think, is a little unrealistic. And so the re- the way that I can see the 49ers drafting someone, if they sign a, a solid backup quarterback, is if they cut them and then play them on the practice squad, which, in fairness, in this class, I believe you can cut them and you can get away with it by stashing them on the practice squad. Yeah, because they've passed that veteran status in the league. And, and that's the cool thing about the new practice squad rules. Um, you can have more vets on there. And so that's why I kind of like that idea. So I think you, it's not like you're drafting. You're drafting a project later on. I'm, I'm not, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback in the third or fourth round. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. But I do see them keeping the competition breeding. They don't know what. Uh, Brock Purdy is going to be like coming back from this injury. They don't know what Trey Lance is going to be like coming back from his injury. So there's a possibility if there's a guy out there that they like, you know, like my man Jake from Fresno State, I think that would be the perfect quarterback for this particular situation. I don't think Mm -hmm. they'll be able to get him, but he'll be available. they, They might overlook him, but come third or fourth round. Now his draft stock will be rising. He had a great senior bowl. Um, as well. And so I expect to, his draft stock to rise. I mean, he's not going to be your, your your top two quarterbacks that are to get pushed off. But the quarterback class is relatively weak. And there's a possibility, Rohan, that some of these quarterbacks that we're talking about, they, they go undrafted. And then that helps you out even more. That's true. I mean, that's why the 49ers selected Brock Purdy with 262, because they didn't want, they understood. And I wrote this in my article last April. They understand when you're selecting a guy in the seventh round, you're not selecting them normally because you want, like, you believe that they're maybe worth the draft pick. Instead, you don't want another team to go pay more money and get them on the open market. Because remember, these deals with undrafted free agents start, teams start calling in the seventh round. You see the amount of flurry uh, of deals that happened uh, before the draft even finishes, right? And so to, that's why you go draft a guy at 262. That's why they drafted a quarterback because they probably wanted him as an undrafted free agent. And so, you know, with a bunch of seventh round picks, I believe they have three this year. When you include the compensatory formula, they could go after a uh, a quarterback with one of those guys. Yeah, maybe at 250, 255, or whatever they had this year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, but just just keep your eyes open for the Brock Purdy updates, and all I all I'm gonna do is pray that they don't get worse. You know what I'm saying? And and it's just if, but you have to prepare for it. And I think that's what I'm trying to get everybody to understand. It's like, listen, yeah, his timetable is six months, but let's prepare 
for it to not be six months. Let's prepare if it's nine months or 12 months or 15 months. Like the, the 49ers have to prepare for every situation possible because they can't get to the NFC championship game and do what they did in this particular game. Like it just can't happen again, not the same way. So they have to be prepared. If it's going to take four quarterbacks for real decent quarterbacks that could come in here and run it. I mean, like when you look at the Josh Johnson situation, it was so emergency. It's not even funny. Like, I mean, they had to pick him up because Jimmy went and got hurt. They went and got somebody that was comfortable with their system. I don't know why they didn't look at anybody else, but Josh Johnson was the guy. And so then it just hit the fan came the biggest game of their, uh, of his career. And so like, I think the 49ers want to make sure that they're prepared there, but let's talk about keeping the quarterbacks healthy. I think the 49ers need to focus on this offensive line. What are your thoughts about that? I think so too, but here's here's the here's the unfortunate reality. Yeah. Offensive line is the most toughest position in the NFL to upgrade. Easily. It's it it's easily because when you understand, go go look at the the top 10 right tackles. Go look at the top 10 centers. Go look at the top 10 whatever. There are hard to find 15 really talented players at that position. You talk about quarterback, there are maybe 13, 12, 13 quarterbacks that you believe that you can win a Super Bowl with. Receiver, there are probably 50 guys that you're like, damn, those are good players. I mean, at many positions, it's like that, right? But offensive line, it's tough. That's why you don't ever see offensive line trades. It's because people understand, teams understand that even when they aren't great, you need to keep your offensive linemen. And that's why you start by building in the trenches. That's why you see teams overdraft for offensive, uh, offensive linemen. And the clearest positions the 49ers need to look at Right now, we're right tackle and center because those two players that were there last year, Mike McGlinchey and Jake Brendel, they're free agents. And so to me, here's how I think about it. The 49ers are going to spend at one, like they're going to spend on one player this offseason. I believe that. Where are they going to spend? I personally believe it's more towards the defensive line rather than the offensive line. And because of that and because of the reports we've heard about Colton McKivitz potentially being groomed as the starter, I don't know if there's going to be a clear upgrade because if the 49ers want an upgrade, they're just going to sign Mike McGlinchey back. But you have to understand the value and the cost of that. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to be willing to pay that. Now, the 49ers do prioritize tackle and center. Those are positions you've seen them shell out money to in the past. Uh, some pretty good money as well with Weston Richburg's deal. And then Alex Mack got some money as well. Trent Williams obviously got a good amount of money. Joe Staley before that. I mean, they prioritize those positions in the Shanahan era, but you've, I, I don't know how realistic it is. That you're going to see an improvement on paper on the offensive line. Now, then again, the second point that I'll bring up, many people thought last year's offensive line was a step down. And clearly, in my opinion, it was a step up. I thought that several players, I, I thought that in a way it was a top 12 offensive line. I thought before the year, it was going to be a top 15 offensive line and above average offensive line. I know a lot of people didn't agree with me, but I, I, I mean, that's how it ended up being because when you have those guys that work together and with this scheme, that's how it ends up uh, kind of coming together. I get, I, I, I thought the offensive line finished around top 10, you know, I could see, I could see I top 12. But I, I felt like they finished around top 10. I, I kept saying at the beginning of the season, you had to give those guys a chance to build continuity. They were working with a brand new center and Jake Brindle. Uh, Jake Brindle's, you know, familiarity was with Trey Lance. I mean, he was with Trey Lance, you know, Trey Lance's rookie season because Jake was that center. <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I felt like you had to give it some time. You had to give Aaron Banks some time, which had a tremendous, to me, beginning 
of the season and then started to kind of like roll off toward the end of the season. I thought he, I thought Aaron Banks kind of went down on a little decline uh, and, and his uh, blocking. And then on the other side, like the center to the right, I mean, you had a rookie in there playing the majority of the year and Spencer Burford. And then Mike McGlinchey was just coming off of that injury. And he just wasn't the same Mike McGlinchey, especially in the run game. But his passing block, his pass blocking got better. So it's just like, what do you want? And I think the way you prefaced and started this whole conversation about the about the offensive linemen, they're a dime a dozen. They're really hard to come by. Yeah. You don't want to break the continuity. That's the key word, continuity. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate we have three offensive linemen that are considered free agents and if you want to include daniel brunskill in there which i would because he was your makeshift guy he was also started the season and uh started beginning the season on the ir comes back in has to get in where he can fit in and and you saw like him be able to do things at the guard position be able to do that and that's kind of pr predominantly where he played rotating with spencer burford um and there were times say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He looked good in times he did not. Look, right. the Niners got to get a center. I'm I, I'm okay with McKivitz at right tackle, but they need a center. And if they're going to spend money on the offensive line, I hate to break it to you, it's got to be one of those centers. So it's either going to be a Connor McGovern, uh, a Garrett Bradbury. They're going to go after a guy who's athletic that will rem reminds them what Weston Richburg used to do or Alex Mack could do. That's what fits it. I miss, I don't know about you, but I miss the run blocking game. I miss the way the 49ers used to run the ball, right? And I wouldn't be surprised in the draft, if they drafted a different type of a running back, not the same type of a running back, right. one thing that we're missing is speed. And I don't know why people keep forgetting that Mostert, Speed, and uh, uh, with Breedis were two different speeds that we haven't seen before. We have not seen it. I love everything Elijah Mitchell does. I love what Jordan Mason can do. I love what Christian McCaffrey could do. But you know what I realized, though, Rohan? Those plays that he was calling with Christian McCaffrey were the same plays he would call for Mostert. And you want to know the difference? What is it? Mostert had home run speed. So when Mostert gets through the line, no one's catching him, whereas Christian McCaffrey got tackled. You ever, did you peep that? Same type yeah. of plays, different type of runners. And so that's the thing. That, that ability, that speed, that's something that we're missing. And I think I know people don't want draft running backs and things like that. Look, if Tajay Spears is available in that third round at pick 99, I know it sucks because we drafted TDP, but he doesn't have the speed. None of them do. 
I think you go with a different type of back. You get a speed back in there. Also great in the pass catch a game. He's kind of like the new Jarrett McKinnon. He's he's kind of like that guy. Um, I think that's Wolf. interesting. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the position itself and you talk about the philosophy, the reason that I might differ is because it seems like the 49ers are going elsewhere in that they, they are trying to prioritize that power, right? I mean, when you have a guy like Spencer Burford, Spencer Burford can move. For sure. But Banks, Banks can, he, he's a guy who kind of thrives in that power. And I wonder where the 49ers go this offseason because they did struggle a bit in the power run because their offensive line isn't the best at moving people with their strength. You saw at times, especially in the interior, Jake Brendel, Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, they struggle to move their defenders past the line of scrimmage. And so that's why you see two, three yard runs instead of four, five yard runs. And if one of those blocks is executed better, you get a bigger gain. It's when you're not able to move past, move their, your guy past the line of scrimmage, then it, it's tough. It's tough to operate that power scheme. And the 49ers still had success because of how good they they block. But it, it's not necessarily the level of success that you'd want to see in that in that type of scheme. Now, Christian McCaffrey certainly opens things up. He was the MVP for me on this team, and I think that he's going to play a huge role. The only other Absolutely. thing is where does where does the rookie kind of fit in because this isn't only for running back this is also for offensive line because we've heard from many players this offensive scheme is so complex right and i mean deservedly so that's why Kyle Shanahan who's who Kyle Shanahan is but it's mm-hmm. tough for rookies to crack the rotation and that's why it, i i wonder where the 49ers mm-hmm. go at certain positions like that that's a great free good point but when you watch Elijah Mitchell how did he crack the rotation injury he did because of injury, yeah. right? Because well, well, he, was making out. he was making a name for himself. That is camp, very true. That is very true. Allowed him because we had other running backs that could have stepped up in front of Elijah Mitchell and they chose to go with Mitchell. So I will say injuries, what got him in the rotation, but what he did in practice is what made the coaches look. I'm going to say this about Spears and Spears is the only different element back that I have been watching in college football like him Chase Brown out of Illinois these are different guys right um his speed alone will set him away from any running back that we've seen since Mostert his durability is great his pass protection has been great just watch if you look him up the dude had just dude had like 1500 rushing yards and 1200 receiving yards I mean, like, these are things you just don't want to look over. And I know he played for Tulane, but I don't care. I watched him at the Senior Bowl against the cream of the crop, and he was doing the same thing against the best players of the best seniors in college. That's all I'm just saying. I'm not advocating for the kid, but if Kyle Shanahan happens to go running back with a third-round pick, just a notice that he's picking another player that has a different ability. And so, you know, there was one year we went through running backs. Last year we went through quarterbacks. The year before that we were going through running backs. So next year it might be a different position. I don't know. I'm hoping not. But I'm just saying, look at this kid as a running back because you can also u- utilize him as a wide receiver, just like Christian McCaffrey. It's just like you're not skipping a beat out there. You always want to create that mismatch. It would suck to draft another running back. But, hey, this is all about sharpening iron here. And if this rookie comes in and lets some of these second-year players know something, remember, Jordan Mason was undrafted. We might love him, but there was reasons why he couldn't crack the starting lineup. So I'm just saying, pay attention to what's going on. We might not like it, but there's some reason. Now, I do think that we need to address the offensive line, but, I mean, we're not drafting in the first and second round, so now you're going to be taking sort of like project picks again. 
well, if you're going to take a project pick, I might as well wait so I can get a person that I know that really fits what we're doing. If we are switching to the power scheme, that's interesting, Rohan, because I'm saying to myself, we're a zone team, zone run team, and I like the spacing. And if we do happen to switch to this, the bigger guys and the power run, that's going to be interesting to watch. And I don't know if that's something we should do. If not, we got to ship, change the whole offensive line. And so, mm -hmm. like, Trent, Trent can hold his own, but Aaron Banks started struggling. I thought Aaron Banks was better when you got him out in space and he had people running through gaps. The whole thing was to get these guys to the outside opposed to the inside. So let's see how they continue to build this silly offensive line. That's the issue. The issue is fix the offensive line. But let's revert to the other side because you hit the nail on the head and I'm thinking defensive tackle or defensive edge. They got to get that. That's what you spend your money on. Uh, because poor Nick Bosa. I want to see Nick Bosa get double-digit sacks again, but I want to see the other guy get 10, too. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And before we get to defensive line, I do want to ask one question that Paul brought up. Jake Brendel, better at center most than, uh, than most that he would be. You talk about the offensive line. You talk about continuity. Would you re-sign Jake Brendel, let's say, at a contract of one year for maybe 4 to $5 million? Ah, uh, man, that's tough, right? Because I like the contract. I like the one year, but who are we grooming? So, like, mm -hmm. like we're going to be right back at this situation next season. Like, I need a multi-year deal from a center. And I'm going to keep it a buck. I love Jake Brendel, and I love I love, I love how he progressed as the season uh, went along, but he's not really good in run blocking. That Like, we struggled a lot in run block, like, in our run game. I think our run game was just – it was good, but it wasn't 49er good. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're going to go after a guy, if you want to get the most athletic guy and free agency, in my opinion, it'd be Garrett Bradbury. But again, he's a he's a, a work in progress as well, but he would fit the system perfectly. And then Connor McGovern from the New York Football Jets. That's the other guy. That's your veteran. That's your average guy. He's like your Lakin Tomlinson, but at the center position. I, I think that that's an interesting topic. And I mean, for me, when you talk about Jake Brendel. I'm all about competition, like I said. But for me, the competition, I think Jake Brendel provides it. You saw that he could play probably maybe as a top 10 center. I don't know if he's a Pro Bowl alternate center, but a top 10 center potentially this off season, uh, this season. And to get him on a one-year deal, here's how I look at it. You've got guys that you're grooming right now, Nick Zakel and Jason Poe. You could potentially draft a guy. And I like competition. When you go into the offseason, if you re-sign Jake Brendel, you're able to figure out one of two things, whether that guy is your future center or whether you've had a, a an immediate starter who can play, continue to play at that position until you figure out the position. Because if you bring Jake Brendel in and if you bring Nick Sakel in, you understand if Nick Sakel beats Jake Brendel out, you've got a pretty darn good center on your hands who just beat out a guy who played well last year. If Brendel beats out Nick Sakel, you know what you have in Brendel. You can play with him for another gear and then look to potentially understand that Zakel might not be the guy for the future. You might go elsewhere uh, for the future, and that's where you might look to draft somebody in this in this draft or something like that. It's a good center draft. I wouldn't mind them drafting a center, but we'll see what they do. I think, though, that it would be smart to bring back Jake Brent. Got to bring back one of those guys. Like, So it's either you sign a free agent as a center or you bring him back. Like Either way, you're signing a free agent as a center. No matter how, how you look at it, it's either you bring back Brendo as a free agent, make him a niner, or you got to get the center. You have to get the center that fits the system, though. Correct. Yeah, correct, correct, exactly. All right, let's go to the defense. 49ers throwback says we need a D-tackle. Javon Kinlaw is a bust. 
What do you think about the position? Do you think they should upgrade D tackle or edge? Where See, do you think what, what's your priority? So my priority would be defensive tackle, but it's a specific type of defensive tackle. So it's not your run. Your, it's it's the one that can run stuff and pass rush. It's that Deron Payne guy. Now, there's only one Deron Payne, but there's going to be a Hargrave. Looks like he's going to be a cap casualty. They're not going to be able to bring in, not cap casualty, but he's going to be a free agent. They're not going to re-sign him uh, over there in Philly. I say you bring in a guy that can cause the ruckus. I mean, make your quarterback like not be able to even step up in the pocket type of thing. So if, if you got your edges, you know, you could, you could supplement on the edge. Nick Bosa already proved he can get double digit sacks with nobody out there helping him out. You know, it's, it's how many sacks did Bosa had? Uh, 19 and a half, 20? 18 and a half. Yeah. 18, 18 and a half. half this year. It, right. Right. And then five, right. That, that's, that's, that was the balance. It was like this. Right. And so when I, I don't hate the word bus, but um, it's, it's more like Kinlaw is to me have to, he has to prove that he can continue to be a starter in the NFL. And for me right now, I think, um that he's more of a rotational player and that's okay because you still need those too and so you get Kinlaw for one more year I don't think you fifth year option him but you upgrade that defensive tackle position and there's edge rushers in this draft that I feel like can specialize and complement you know even in the third fourth fifth fifth round like there there are edge rushers here and I feel like they can at least complement some of that speed. So I say you go after a speedier guy, a guy that can resemble what D4 did as much as possible. Like that's what we're missing on the opposite side. It was power on power. It was Nick trying to utilize speed and moves and this is that opposed to him just being who he is. Like it was too much power. And I think we're missing the speed element on the opposite side. So fill the gap. Eric Armstead is basically like that multiplayer he's he's he could get you pass rush if other guys are taken up but i feel like when it comes to that defensive front i i feel like you gotta get a, a pass rushing defensive tackle in there and there are a couple of guys that are going to be available i think that that's fair to me i i like i've said it a couple of times defensive tackle is my number one priority okay. and the 49ers they they value defensive tackle i mean they value defensive linemen that are versatile but to me here's how i view it the defensive line has been your number one priority really throughout the shanahan lynch era defensive line i mean it's really the trenches but specifically the defensive line good point in 2019 you had a very strong defensive line headline by the guy you just said, D. Ford, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Ark Armstead. The point being, they were star caliber players that could play three downs. This year, you had a combination of players that were very talented, but mm -hmm. talented at specific things and couldn't necessarily put that production into results, right? They uh, Menehue was great in terms of pressures. He had a ton of pressures. Pressure, pass rush win weight for Menehue was in the top 15 in the NFL. That's amazing for a guy of his caliber, right? Uh, Sam Stebucom, pretty solid run run defender. But the issue is when you're placing certain personnel on the field, some are better than uh, some are better at the run, some are better at the pass. So it's not necessarily you're telling what you're doing, but you don't necessarily have three down guys that you can trust. Guess what? If they change the play to a run, or if they change the play to a pass, you can trust them to do that. I think the three down players those are the players that are stars, and those are the players that are valuable. Guys in free agency like Deron Payne. 
like Javon Hargrave, like those type of players that you can trust to play those three downs. And I think that that's the most important thing, getting guys that you understand come playoff time, come the big moments, you can trust those guys to continue playing and really pr- uh, have production. That's where that's where I'm looking to, uh, to add value. And I think that with the way the 49ers um, scheme things, I mean, Ark Armstead, you've seen him play on the uh, on the edge, be it the seven tech uh, or be it the five tech or the nine tech. And then Nick Bosa, same there. You can interchange. You can interchange the positions. You can call different stunts and things like that. But I do think that defensive tackle is a priority because in a pass high, happy league, that's becoming more of a premium because you want to have lighter boxes. You want to play, uh, drop more people into coverage. And to do so, you need better players up the middle that can be able to stop the run, that can be able to uh, overtake strong offensive lines. I think that that's where you figure out the solution there at defensive tackle. I agree 100%. 100%. And the second point of it is Ark Armstead, right? I don't know if he finishes his career as a 49er. I think Ark Armstead's a guy who, when you look at that contract, you've got what twenty four million this year, twenty six million or so next year, and I don't think you should restructure that deal. I think the 49ers have restructured it one too many times already. Well, that's why the cap hits are so high as they are uh, after he signed that extension. But I don't know if he's going to finish his career as a 49er. I could very much envision them potentially trading Ark Armstead next offseason when when you can save like thirteen ish million, and then once you trade Armstead. You can have the guy who you signed this free agency to be the D tackle of the future. Or if you let Armstead walk in two years, you can have the guy who you signed to essentially be the next Armstead. If it's Ron Payne, it makes a ton of sense, right? Because if you pay him on a four-year deal, you get him through the entirety of his prime, and you've got your replacement of the future at defensive tackle. And so then you're paying Bosa, and you're paying whoever that is. And then you have two guys that you can fill in on cheaper deals. I agree. Um, I don't know. Pay attention to the restructuring part of the season because if Eric Armstead is restructured, then I don't know if they'll trade him. But oh, I, they won't trade him this offseason. No, nah, it'll right. only but if, if you're right. If they restructure him, likely not next offseason. Right. Find that so, really weird so if they do. Yeah. Possibility. Because like, here's the way I see it. If Eric, if if he chooses to restructure his contract, right? Uh and that's that's doing a team a solid. I feel like nine times out of ten, he'll be a niner till he retires. Uh, and, and I think they're okay with that for the simple fact that they still get the versatility out of Eric Armstead. We haven't seen too much defensive end work from him just because of the way that the team was set up. They they overloaded with defensive edge rushers last year. Uh, they might bring back Arden Key. He's a free agent, so he's he'll be somebody to pay look, pay attention to. Um, I know uh, Paul asked me, was there anybody at the Senior Bowl? There are two players that I actually like. Uh, look up, look for Carl Brooks. All right, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, defensive the edge line. rusher. Yeah, huh? The edge rusher. The, uh, yeah, I like Carl Brooks. Also, look um, uh, as far as the front as a defensive tackle. Uh, where's his name? Where's his name? Where's his name? Do 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 do. I just had it. Just had it. Is it the Northwestern guy? Uh, a devil warrior. He's an edge rusher too. Mm-hmm. But. It's a possibility he's he can he can line up inside and out. He's two hundred eighty four pounds, so yeah. Like we'll, we'll see, but I like him as an edge rusher. There are plenty. Of, when I said that there are plenty of edge rushers, trust me, we can find one in the third, the fourth, and the fifth round. After that, you're gonna be pushing. So there's edge rushers for days. Uh, if you're looking, uh, Thomas M. Coom is a is an interior guy. Please check him out, Central Michigan. Uh, I'll be doing a little breakdown with him 
I mean, uh, of him. And there was one more that I had. I can't find him right now. Oh, well. He'll come to me, but I'll make sure I, I get it out there for you guys to check out. But uh, M. Coom is definitely a guy you want to check out. Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State as well. Ah, oh, there was one more. Dark Nabbit. Just looking at my list. Okay, Jay Henry is another guy. So there's some interior guys out there that are going to be there a little bit late. Um, but but pay attention to what they do in free agency. I, I really feel like if they can't get a Duran, a Hargrave, who all right, let's say those are your top two, right? Sure. Who's who's the next tier from the interior? Are you saying okay? So you're saying specifically uh defensive tackle? Yeah, so if those are your top two. If it's if it's uh pain, Hargrave or Hargrave pain, let's say those are your top two. Where are we going after that? That's interesting. I think that there's a I I, I wouldn't like necessarily say drop. drop off, yeah. but I, I do think <laughs> I, I do think that um like when I when we when I spoke on a podcast last week that those were my top two guys. That's what I meant. Those are my top two. Like those are the guys that I definitely prefer ever. Um, but I don't know if there's necessarily too too big of a drop off. I know uh Dal- Dalvin Tomlinson. 28 going to his age 29 season at a yeah, I'm um, trying Minnesota. to stay under 30 bro like like that's the understood person. yeah that that that's understood but like you get him maybe on a two-year deal he's coming off a, a bit of a down year pass rushing wise so you might get him for cheaper but he's a solid run defender and I think he can play well if put in this scheme he's there um if you talk about other guys uh what about Sheldon? Maybe, Rankins? maybe, yeah. I was gonna think Sheldon Rankins. Maybe he has familiarity with the scheme. Obviously, playing in um, he played with Solid. the Jets, I believe, this past year. Sheldon yeah. Rankins could be there. Uh, I mean, if you want like lower guys, maybe Tillery. If you if you want Shy Tuttle, actually, Shy Tuttle's a guy. Actually, ah, that's what I remember. Shy Tuttle's a guy who I would not mind if they signed. He's a he's an interesting guy, probably an okay. under under the radar guy. But if you want one of those stars, it's gonna be one of the top two. It's got to be those top two, man. I mean, unless you want to go older and, and grab a Fletcher Cox, who's about to be Maybe. 33, yeah. and he can still give you some type of production. But either way, you need that meanness in the middle, and that's what we're lacking. Mm-hmm. We're, we're lacking, you know, that that type of meanness, that type of animal in the middle. Uh, and I guarantee you, you fix the interior, you'll fix the edge rushing, because now the offensive line can't just combo block your guys <laughs> right like you know what i'm saying they can't send two offensive linemen at one because now you got to really play matchup and that's where the 49ers in my opinion that's what defeated them i know we lost our quarterback uh or whatnot but man we got defeated in the trenches really up front man they were the, philadelphia ran the ball they didn't score any passing touchdowns let that sink in to you like they didn't score throwing the ball. That needs to sink in. That lets you know mm-hmm. how the game won, and it was in the trenches. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I mean, regardless, I think you do have to address defensive line. Edge rushers, I know there are a couple. I mean, uh, a lot of people like Yannick Ngakwe. If you're looking for a pass, uh, I like pretty much a, a pass rusher. He's Yannick, That's Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, some underrated options, I mean, Dante. Fowler's there. I think he had a six sack season with uh, Dallas this year. Draymond Jones for Denver is all a two way player. He, I know he played in that three four system there. He could probably play mm-hmm. as a four three edge or even a four three interior. Like he can be versatile because he's got both uh, in in his skill set. So you know there are a couple of good names there for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Oh, I got one more thing before we head on out. Got one more thing, and that's Taylor Lewan because oh. Taylor Lewan, we heard he got released today. He did a lot get of talks released. happening. A lot of talks happening. Could he play right tackle? And if so, could he play with the 49ers? I mean, we saw George Kittle already do a little reach out on social media. What's your thought process on the combination? So here's the thing, right? Can Taylor Lewan play right tackle? Yes. Does he want to play right tackle? I mean, seven years ago, he said no. So we're looking at a seven-year older veteran that's coming off of a couple of bad injuries that still has the will and the heart to play football. Now, I can tell you right now, if he knew he had an opportunity to come on a team like to the 49ers with like a Trent Williams, I guarantee you he'll play right tackle and there'd be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I tell you what, it's a low risk, high reward for me. So like, can you get him on a one year deal to where you pay him whatever that number, you're good with numbers. So whatever that number may be, you know what I'm saying? On a low risk, high reward type of deal. And he does finish out the season and you're in the playoffs and you're in the Super Bowl and Taylor Lewan's your right tackle. People are going to be like, damn, you know what I'm saying? So like at the end of the day, I know what he said seven years ago, but we're talking about now, and he hasn't played much football in the past three years. So he's pretty healthy, I would say. He's probably super healed, so why not try to get into the best situation he can get into, which would be Chris Forster's offensive line, and then he'll be there. And now you got Trent on one side. You got the mean Taylor Lewan on the other side, and you just got to find a motherfucker. At that point, bring Brendel back to be their center and then i think the offensive line is solid and guess what you still draft tackles you, you still got to draft them yeah i mean it's definitely an interesting situation right the one going into i believe his age 32 season two acl injuries in the last three years so he has had his fair share of injury issues and he said he he doesn't want to be a right tackle what five years ago seven years ago however seven long years, it might 20, have been. 2016 so what year yeah we 2023 so yeah seven years ago so there are a lot of interesting factors to me it, it it depends on a couple of things i mean if we're being honest there is no harm in bringing in a guy who will likely not command a high salary to compete in training camp so the only can, thing can you stop for here it. because i think you have to really break that down for people mm -hmm. i don't think they understand that when we say low risk high reward he won't cost the niners much it's kind of like a no-brainer. You bring him in. You see how he does in camp. If he does well, cool. If he doesn't, bye. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's it's kind no, of I mean that that's fair. And I mean, like, you're right, right? Like, it's it, there's no like I mean, it depends on the contract that he gets, but right. if the guaranteed money is low, if it's an incentive-laden deal, then I don't think there's too big of a harm in doing it. Now, what I believe that would I be comfortable if Taylor the one was the starting right tackle for the 49ers I'm not sure I don't know how well he uh will hold up injury wise given his injury history and that has to be a concern especially along a position that it normally doesn't have much depth for the 49ers and but I, I don't think that there's a harm if you want him to compete in training camp and are uh, if you aren't paying him a huge amount of guaranteed money I wouldn't I wouldn't mind uh, the move for sure. Would he be my number one option? No. Do I think that um, you may prioritize the position in the draft? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm still of the belief the 49ers should trade up in the second round and draft one of the top tackles, uh, one of the top eight, 10 tackles in the, in, in the draft. Mowick, man, that, that's who we need. Cody Mowick, 
Uh, Cody Malk, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid player. He's definitely um a, a mauler, yeah, right? Yeah, he's definitely Berger's a mauler. Here. Like there's, Berger, there's Bergeron, uh, he's there as well. I think that he'd be interesting out of Syracuse. If if he goes that high, Wanya Morris in the second round of Oklahoma. Wanya Morris, yes. Yes. Those are those are two guys that I've watched that I like for sure. I mean, regardless, I think the 49ers, if the if if the player's there at in the 50s, I think you 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 make the move up and you trade a couple of third rounders to make the move up. I I that's my personal belief. You look to get right tackle in this draft with the talent that there is. And again, tackle's a position where a lot of people will overdraft. That's just the, the that's just the nature of it. But I think that there are several players that 49ers could look to target still. On Luan specifically, would not mind the move if it's a cheaper option because it's just another body that you get to compete with in camp. See how is he holding up and see is he an upgrade over the incumbents or over a rookie? Yeah, see, I, I, I agree with that. Um, they're going to be bringing in some bodies and, and, and it's good competition too because, like, you know, Colt McKivitz is the guy, Jalen Moore's still there. Like, there's some players that are still that, that are still there that's fighting for, for a spot. Uh, and so it would be cool to bring in a nice, savvy vet. Uh, if he's willing to play tackle, period. So let's just bring him in as a tackle and see where it goes from there. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Hey, it'd be crazy if he ends up being like a swing type of a tackle, like the guy that, that hey, you need me to play left? All right, man, Trent, take a break. I got you. You need me to play right? All right, man, come Like at, at some point, like that's kind of like what you have to think because we need a swing tackle. Who was our swing tackle this year? It kind it was of was McKivitz. It was McKivitz. It was, it was Colton McKivitz, yeah. So if he becomes yeah. that starting guy, he's still going to need a swing. Do you want to go with Jalen Moore? Would you go Taylor Lewan? That's kind of like what you got to ask yourself. I agree. I also wouldn't be surprised if he calls it a career, for being honest. Um, yeah, it's probably at that point. I think he's enjoying life right now. He's had what, yeah. the, the year pretty much off. And, you know, it's just interesting that they let him go and now his name is circulating again. So we'll see. We'll Correct. see what happens. It's not, no, we'll definitely see. Happen, yeah. We'll see what happens. Always there for discourse. But, Wayne, man, it's been a, it's been a fun hour, fun show. Thank you for uh, coming on the channel. Any last words? Hey, man, I appreciate you, brother. Keep up the good work, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. To all the guys that uh, joined up in the chat, we appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for bringing in with your questions, with your comments. We'll be back very soon uh, with some more content here on the channel. Wayne, appreciate you once again, and we'll talk to you guys soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.